0: Together, make our way in. Just as a reminder, let's scoot in as much as we can to the center to leave room for all of those still coming in. It looks way more packed than it is when we don't do that. It's a good day to be in the house of the Lord. Just take a few moments, settle your heart. On the Lord. God, we focus on you. Psalm 92 tells us that it's a good thing to praise the Lord, to sing to Him, to make music to the Almighty God. His faithfulness by night. He is the exalted one forever. So, Lord, we exalt you in this place. We lift you high. We thank you for meeting us here.
1: think about uh, the moment in the the Exodus story, the story the church has been telling for a long time, that God sees his people in all of their dysfunction and brokenness and oppression, and he comes to Moses, a normal guy, and he says, I want you to help lead my people into liberation, into freedom, into safety, and Moses sort of argues back and forth with him, but he looks at him, and he says, who am I to tell them has sent me? to do such a thing. He says, well, tell him Yahweh has sent, you tell him that it's the God of Abraham, the God of Jacob and the God of Isaac. And I think we can read that and read it as just sort of like a nationalistic claim. Like it's it's God being like, well, they know who it is because their parents have believed in me, their grandparents have believed in me, their great grandparents have believed in me, so on and so forth. And while that's true, I think there's more to it. I think when God says that to him, he's trying to make a claim about who he is that he's the same God who would make a promise to Abraham that blessing upon blessing upon blessing would flow out from him and that promise would not be broken no matter what happens. He's he's that kind of God who would make a promise to someone and and keep it. He's the same kind of God who would step into someone's life even when their life has gotten a little bit sideways, even when they've been mischievous, even when they've been somewhat dishonest and he would help find a way to put it back together. He would be the same God who would show up in the the life of a, a young girl in the middle of the Middle East and say that she would be the one who would bear the Messiah. He's the same God who would show up in the life of someone like Nicodemus, a religious leader who has all the right answers about faith, but his heart has not yet been transformed. He's the same God who would show up in the life of the man who was injured and lain by a pool and, and invite him to get up and walk. I think God's statement is that he just keeps doing the same things over and over and over again. And I say that to some of you because you've been on the precipice of faith, of like tipping into it. And the thing that's been holding you back is I'm just not quite sure God could still do that for me. He's been doing one thing for a long time. I think for some of you, you're like Thomas at the end of the gospel where he says, I'll believe that God could do all of these things if I could just put my finger in the holes in his hands you know what god keeps doing he just keeps showing up and says sure you want proof i'll be proof so there are some of you who have been praying for things for a long time you're praying for provision you're praying for care you're praying for you're praying for faith to grow you're praying for the like sins of your life to be broken down and stripped down so that you too can walk in the life that god has for you and today i just want to give you an invitation that as you pray those prayers right now Those prayers can tip you into faith. So New Life Feast, would you open up your hands? Would you posture yourself in a posture of surrender? Whatever that might look like for you. You might need to get down on your knees. You might need to extend your hands as high up as you can. But when we cry out, God, we need you, he hears it. And he keeps his promises and he keeps delivering people and he keeps bringing healing into people's bones and he keeps bringing He keeps breaking generational dysfunction. This is the kind of God that we worship. So would you cry out to God in the way that you need to? Would you pray the prayers that your heart need to pray this morning as we continue to sing this song? Would you be reminded that God hears you and that he is intervening?
0: of some sort a revival of a marriage a broken relationship, friendship a revival of finances, maybe something was squandered, you feel like it's lost forever a bad investment a a job that didn't work out the way you thought it would maybe you went out on a limb and you just felt like nothing met you there when you pray for that need it's like God would you revive it because it's dead this is dead right now, would you please revive something Would you send your rain on us? As we sing this next song, God of Revival, great transition, I know. Uh, uh, Take it seriously. Let's pray for a revival. Let's believe in that. Let's believe that the Lord will do something powerful when we ask him, God, we need this revival. We need you. Start it in us. Start it in our own lives, our own hearts, and just let it bleed out from us.
1: pick on two people in this room in a good way for a second. Um Matt Kudron and Adam Nowicki. Matt's right here. I don't I don't know where Adam is. I saw him a little bit ago. Uh, up there? There he is. Um these two it was cool to see them both serving this morning, serving as ushers and they're helping you guys get into your seats and they're counting all the people that are in this room and filling up communion for us and doing all sorts of things and uh you know we run this experience here at New Live East called Rooted and um right now we have about 80 people that are going through it, but a few months ago we had about another 80 people graduate from it, and Matt and Adam were two of those people, and Matt and Adam were also two people who got baptized at our Rooted Celebration. And what's beautiful to see is not just like you you take people through all sorts of things at church, Bible studies and experiences and all that stuff, but what's beautiful to see is that god is continuing to work in the lives of people here at new life east even after a moment so matt and adam we're thankful for the way that you guys have grown and we're thankful for the way that you guys are serving this house so thank you guys so much i see that i think about the 80 people that are going through rooted right now just by a show of hands any of you in the room going through rooted right now i i know there's 80 of you so if you lie i like i'm i, you know, I can pull the registration list out if you want um what I want to do is take a second. And uh, if you're one of those people that raise your hands and you happen to see them raise their hands, put a hand on their shoulder, extend a hand over to them. What we recognize is that anytime people take a moment to like devote themselves to the work of the Lord in their life, in community and all that stuff, that there's beautiful things that can happen. And so we want to pray that that would happen. So God, we thank you for the people with who with courage and by being forced by their spouse signed up to be a part of rooted. God, no matter how they found themselves in that space, meeting in this very building on Sunday nights, what we pray is that your spirit would meet them in those spaces, that they would hear the sweet, tender, strong voice of God, that you would stir them towards their calling, that you would stir them towards why they exist and that that is ultimately to know you as their creator. And we also pray a great deal of protection over their lives, that we know anytime we devote our hearts to pursuing the one true God, that the enemy puts all sorts of things in our path to derail us, to, to keep us from showing up, to keep us from even just showing up in our bodies in those moments. So God, we pray that no scheme of the enemy would come against them, that spiritual clarity would fall over their minds, that steadfastness in their faith would grow, and that ultimately, much like Matt and Adam, that there would be moments at the end of this experience where people would mark their relationship with you by getting baptized and surrendering their whole selves to you. So God, we pray blessing over these 80 people and we ask all this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit and all of new life he said. Amen. Friends, it is so good to see you. If you're a guest, we would love to say hi to you after the service and Connect Central. You'll notice there's a guest card in your seat. You can scan that QR code or fill it out and bring it with you to Connect Central. We have a gift for you there as well. Now, we're gonna open up the scriptures in just a second. Why don't you take a moment to turn and say good morning to someone around you.
2: With you, the Lord be with you. We might as well do it a third time. The Lord be with you. So good to see you, man. I love worshiping with you guys. I was uh thinking while we were worshiping that uh, I love being in church, (laughs) and it's good to be in the house of God, good to be singing songs together, celebrating the Lord's presence together. You guys, today is an incredibly special Sunday. Do you know why that is? Not only are we celebrating, as we always do, the resurrection of the Lord from the dead, but it's also Seth Fowler's birthday today. He also happens to be the same age that Jesus was when he died and was raised to life again. Yeah, we're hoping that Seth has a better year than that. But can we, on the count of three, show our love to Seth by singing happy birthday to him. One, two, three. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday dear Seth. Happy birthday to you. One more time. Give it up for this guy. Seth and Caitlin, we love you. Thanks for being part of our community. Thanks for all you brought to our community in the last six months, man. We love you and appreciate you. John chapter 6, I'll invite you to turn in your Bibles uh, there. We've been working through the book of John, all these encounters that people have with Jesus by which they behold him as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And every one of these little glimpses, these encounters that they have with Jesus uh, reveals something about what Jesus is, what he's up to in the world And who he desires to be for us. And if you've been reading uh, John carefully, one of the things that you have noticed is that there's this kind of running theme, running like an undercurrent throughout John, uh, comparing the person of Jesus uh, to the person of Moses. And that starts out early in the book of John. You'll remember in John's prologue, uh, John says that the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. So there's this whole kind of thing where as you're reading John, What John is trying to get you to do is to like compare what God did in salvation history with what God is doing right now. And that comparison will both yield uh, similarities, but then it also reveals key differences. And this chapter that we're coming to here, chapter 6, is one of the places where the similarities and the differences come out in full relief. And where that comparison between the ministry of Jesus and the ministry of Moses is really shown to be quite profound and obvious. So if you read the beginning, for instance, of chapter 6, the thing that you'll notice is that Jesus all of a sudden is feeding like 5,000 people. And that ought to harken you all the way back to the book of Exodus. Remember? When God delivers his people up out of Egypt, they come to this moment where their bellies are hungry. We're going to talk about this a lot this morning. Their bellies are hungry. They cry out to the Lord. The Lord supplies them with miraculous bread. And all of a sudden we see Jesus doing that in John chapter 6. And do you know what happens right after the feeding of the 5,000 In John 6, Jesus crosses a large body of water with his disciples. It's sort of like John is like, Exodus, Exodus, Exodus. Like pay attention because what God did in salvation history in the past provides a kind of template for understanding what he's up to in the present moment. Without further commentary, John chapter 6, starting in verse 25, hear the word of the Lord. And when they found him on the other side of the lake, Uh, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? And Jesus answered and said to them, very truly, I tell you, uh, you're looking for me not because you saw the signs that I performed, but because you ate the loaves and you had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Then they asked him, what must we do to do the works that God requires? And Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. So they asked him, what sign will you give that we may see it and believe you? What are you going to do, Jesus? Our ancestors ate the man in the wilderness. As it's written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. And Jesus said to them, very truly, I tell you, it's not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it's my father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life To the world, jump down to verse 48. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, and yet they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which any person may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. And this bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Brothers and sisters, this is the word of the Lord and all God's people said... Let's pray. Sometimes, you know, if you just get quiet enough, you can hear holiness. But God spoke to Elijah on the mountain. There was an earthquake and there was wind and there was fire. And the Lord wasn't in any of those things. And then the scripture says that after the earthquake and the wind and the fire, there came the sound of Silence. And the Lord spoke to Elijah. Lord, I just pray, you know my heart here. There are times that I read the scripture in front of the people of God and I think, God Almighty, I don't even want to say anything. I wouldn't want to break the holiness of that. But I pray somehow, Lord, that you just help us in these moments, speak words that don't disturb the silence of holiness. And that we would find ourselves as we speak before you and before one another i pray that we would find that these words also are words of life the words that i've spoken to you jesus says are spirit and their life and so we just pray that the words that are spoken here would be words of spirit and words of life that where we need you we would find you today that where we hear you we would hear where we need to hear you we would hear you today and where we need to be convicted oh god where our hearts need to be pierced for you and by you, that you would do that. We don't want to hide from you and we don't want to tell lies before you. We want to hear your truth and we want to speak truth back to you because it's in the truth that we're free. Jesus said that. You'll know the truth and the truth will make you free. So grant that, we pray. We thank you for these scriptures. We pray that the words now of the preacher's mouth and the meditation of the hearer's hearts will be acceptable in your sight, O oh Lord, our strength and our redeemer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and all God's people said. I love this little moment with Jesus. He's just finished feeding the 5,000. By the way, the Scripture says it was 5,000 men, so that doesn't include women and children. So it's probably like 20,000 people were gathered together in the presence of the Lord, and they were hungry. And Jesus does this great miracle for them. And then he scoots with his disciples to the other side of the lake, and now they find themselves on the other side. And all the people are like, wait, where'd that guy go? You know, we like him. He's cool. And so they all find their way to the other side of the lake and they're like, Rabbi, when did you get here? And he says this, verse 26, very truly I tell you, you're looking for me, not because you saw the signs that I performed, but because you ate the loaves and you had your fill. I want you just to ponder that for a second. You're looking for me, not because you saw the signs that I performed, but because you ate the loaves and you had you're filled. Do you know what brings us to Jesus? you know what brings us to God? It's always human need. It's always human need. And I love that Jesus acknowledges that in this text, that he goes, look, the reason that you're, like, you're not interested in me because of the spectacle that you saw. And you have seen some great signs. And a lot of these people have been following Jesus around from the very beginning of his ministry. So they've seen some really incredible signs. They've seen him raise people from the dead. Some of them saw water turned into wine they have seen some pretty incredible incredible miracles but he goes you're coming after me not because you saw all of these signs but why because you were hungry and i gave you something to eat because you ate the loaves and you had your fill do you know that human need always brings us to god and that's not a bad thing it's like the thing that i love so much about biblical faith is that for as much as it takes us into these sort of dimensions of experience of god that are far beyond our bodies it never like loosens us from the reality of our bodies But it always keeps us in the reality of our bodies. Think about, again, the comparison with Exodus. The people of God, like where does biblical faith start in the scriptures? It starts with the people of God languishing in Egypt. And they cry out to the Lord in their distress. And what does he do? He saves them. And then they wind up in the wilderness and their bellies are hungry. And so they cry out to God. And what does God do? He gives them bread. And then a little later on in Exodus, they're running around in the desert and they're thirsty. And so what do they do? They cry out to God, and God gives them water from the rock. And all throughout the Psalms, you see this too. I mean, the Psalms, when you read the Psalms, what's so beautiful about them is that the Psalms are not this sort of like ethereal spirituality up in the clouds. The Psalms are like, save. The waters have come up to my neck. I sink in the miry depths where there is no foothold. Oh, God, I'm surrounded by these evil people. Help me, save me, O Lord, for men hotly pursue me all day long. They're forcing me to restore what I didn't even steal. God, help. It's like human need always drives us to the Lord. Even think about the Gospels over and over and over again. They don't come to Jesus, first of all, because he's this spiritual teacher that has all these clever things to say. They come to him because their sons and their daughters have died and they need help. They come to him because they're demon-possessed and they need deliverance. They come to him because they're hungry and they need food. They come to him because they're thirsty and they are not rebuked for this. They are not rebuked for this, nor are they told that they need to pivot off of that into something else or some other place. But they're fixed firmly in it. Think about the prayer that Jesus teaches us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, say a church. thy, thy. Where? As it is in heaven. And then what? Give us this day our daily bread. Right there, smack in the middle of the prayer that Jesus teaches us to pray. He says, what's your need? What's your need? And have you thought to bring it before the face of God? And the need, the human needs, can take so many forms. I think about Martin Luther, the great reformer, languishing away a guilty conscience, plagued with these feelings of self-hatred and the hatred of God, and he cries out to the Lord in the middle of his guilty conscience, and he finds a merciful God. That's a human need. But there are other kinds of human needs. I think about one of my favorite writers, a woman by the name of Mary Carr, was an alcoholic for a long time. And at one point, she messed her life up so bad, hit complete rock bottom, and she ran into a woman of faith. And the woman said to her, Mary, have you ever considered crying out to God? Have you considered prayer? Mary was all kind of flustered by this. She goes, why would I pray? Prayer is so stupid. Why does God need me to tell him how awesome he is for That was like her idea of prayer. And the woman says to Mary, Mary, you don't pray for God's sake, you idiot. You pray for your sake. And Mary goes, well, what should I pray for then? She goes, I don't know, what do you need? And Mary goes, I, sobriety? She goes, okay, well, pray for that. Why don't you ask God to make you sober? Ask God to help you not continue to wreck your life with alcohol. She goes, okay, I think I can manage that. She goes, do you, do you have anything else that you have need of, Mary? Mary goes, well, I need money. She's been out of work for a long time. The woman goes, okay, well, why don't you ask God for money? So she starts this process of on the daily asking God, God, make me sober? And would you fill up my bank account? I need money. And she said within two weeks, not only had she gotten her sobriety on track, she had had it, it had been in fits and starts over the years, but she got it back on track. But also, she said, I had these jobs just like come out of nowhere, like thousands and thousands. Of dollars, And she said, you know, as time has gone on, I've continued to pray and it's helped keep me sober. And I've also continued to ask that God would give me lots and lots of money. And the the money prayer hasn't worked out as much as it did the first time around, but the sobriety has held out for me. I wanna just ask you something, church, this morning. And we're just gonna take a moment and pray here. What is your need? And I want you right now just to close your eyes. We're not done with the sermon, by the way. I got like other things I'm gonna say to you. But it's good to pray sometimes, just right when the occasion demands it. What's your need this morning, church? Some of you have these really I want you to actually just to take it and I want you to put it in your hands, like you're cupping your hands before the Lord. And some of you this need your need this morning is financial. You really do need money, you need provision. Don't you just lift that up before God. And some of you this morning, the need is relational. You have a relationship that has broken. Down. And you need the Lord to touch it and to heal it. You need the Lord to deliver. You need the Lord to make it right. Would you just cut that in your hand, offer it up before the Lord? Some of you there are issues that are happening in your body, and you very much need healing. So either something has happened to you recently, you got a diagnosis, or there's a chronic condition, maybe that you have been dealing with for a long time, and you need to just offer that up before the Lord. Some of you are tormented mentally. You're tormented. You live inside a divided mind. Your mind, at best, is a conflicted place. At worst, it's a terrifying place. And you're scared to retreat into your mind and into your heart because of how scary it is. And that's your thing. So hold that up before the Lord. And so now, Jesus, you're the one who says, truly, I say to you, you're looking for me not because you saw signs, but because you ate the loaves and you had your fill. And so I pray that wherever we need provision this morning, I just pray that provision would come. I pray that jobs would come out of nowhere. I mean, like, out of the clear blue sky. I'm praying that there would be breakthrough in bank accounts in Jesus' name. I am praying that there would be promotion at jobs in Jesus' name. We pray for breakthrough. And we're praying over every relationship that has been corrupted by sin that's represented in this house. Spirit of the living God, you are the one who always leads us into friendship. I pray that the unity that was achieved by Jesus Christ on the cross, that it would spill into these relationships and heal them in Jesus name. I am praying over everybody that needs healing this morning. I'm asking that the Lord and life-giver, the Holy Spirit, the presence of the Spirit would come rushing into the bodies of everybody that is in this house this morning that needs healing. We pray that chronic conditions would be healed. We pray that the scary diagnosis that we got this week, that that would turn into a, like a, I don't know what happened by the doctors, but all of a sudden it's gone. We pray that x-rays and MRIs and all of that would come back, PET scans would come back and like, there's nothing there. We're, We're praying that the power of the resurrection would come. And Lord, I am praying over every tormented mind in this place this morning. I am asking that depression would go. I'm asking that bipolar disorder would go. I am asking that all fear and terror and darkness would be far from your people in Jesus' name. We bind every work of the evil one and we loose the power of the kingdom of God over the people of God this morning. Grant it, we pray in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and all God's people said. We almost could go to the table right now, right? But we're not going to because I have more things that I want to say to you, but watch this. Jesus says to them, I tell you, you're looking for me not because you saw the miraculous signs, but why? You ate the loaves, but you had, and you had your fill. Then watch what he says here in verse 27. He says, don't work for food that spoils. Everybody say food that spoils. Don't work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the son of man will give you. For on him, God, the father has placed his seal approval. Don't work for food that spoils. Think about going back to Exodus, the people of God in the wilderness. God feeds them with the manna. Do you remember that? And they eat the manna. And then some of them try to save the manna for the next day. And what happened? Spoiled. It's all like maggoty. And some of them tried to go out on the Sabbath day to find it. And they're rebuked by the Lord. There is this like this whole thing. But what you see in Exodus is that this miracle that God gives them, even though it fills their bellies and it is good for them, It ultimately corrodes and it falls apart. And Jesus says, don't work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life. It turns out that those miracles that God gives us are always signs of the greater miracle of God that he gives us. So that when God gives us food, he's always calling us to reach beyond the food for something else. And when he gives us drink, he's always calling us to reach beyond the drink for something else. And when he heals our bodies, he's always calling us to reach beyond the healing for something else. And when he gives us provision or he reconciles the relationships, he's always calling us to reach beyond the thing for something else. And that whole, think about this. That whole generation that saw the miraculous signs of the Lord in Exodus They were delivered from the power of Pharaoh. They were given miraculous food. They were given miraculous drink. They were delivered over and over again from the power of the sword. Every single one of them died in the wilderness. Why? Because they never reached beyond the sign to the thing signified. They never reached beyond the gift to the giver. They were like people like here. Every single Sunday, we gather together in the presence of Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and in the presence of one another, and we break bread, and we dip it in the cup here, and we take it in faith. It would be like if we were hungry and we were thirsty. You could come into this house this morning, and we give you all the bread that you wanted to hear. Here, eat eat all of this and drink all of it that you can. But you know, if you never ate this bread or drank this cup in faith, it avails you nothing beyond the bread in the cup, Right? somehow we have to reach beyond the provision and enter into relationship with the one who is the provider. And the big indictment that God lays at the feet of his people in the Old Testament is this, Hosea thirteen six. But I have been, think about this. The Lord says, I have been the Lord your God ever since you came out of Egypt. You shall acknowledge no God but me and no savior except me. I cared for you in the wilderness, in the land of burning heat. Verse six, when I fed them, they were satisfied. When they were satisfied, they became proud. And then they forgot me. The relationship broke down. They only really reached out to God when their lives were ebbing away and they were in complete desperation. But the moment the desperation was over, the relationship broke down and they died in the wilderness. And do you know what I would love to be able to tell you? I would love to be able to tell you that I have never been guilty of that. When I think about my 40 or so years of walking with Jesus, I have had so many moments over the years where something would happen I'd be thrown into a crisis of some kind, Mandy and I would be thrown into a crisis of some kind, something happening in our finances, something happening in our bodies, something happening with our families. And we would find ourselves all of a sudden kind of like reduced to your knees. Oh God, we need you. Our back is against the wall and suddenly we're praying the prayers of the psalmist. Save me, oh God, the waters have come up to my neck. Help, oh God, save me. We can't save ourselves, please help us. And those moments, When you come to that place of desperation, what's crazy is even though you would never choose to be in that place of desperation, when you look back on it over a long period of time, what you realize is that there is a great gift in moments of crisis. And you know what the great gift is? It forces us to reach out in faith to the one that we should always be reaching out in faith to all the time. And the thing that often happens to us is that as God starts supplying our needs and filling the things that we're asking for, when we get every single thing that we ask, we forget the Lord who brought us out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. And I want to say to you something to you this morning. There are some of you that are in this house this morning that you are in a place of great crisis and great desperation. And you think that you're in some disadvantaged position with the Lord because of it. I'm here to tell you with the Lord Jesus, blessed are the poor, for theirs is the kingdom. And blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. And blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. And blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they will be filled. There's something about being in a place of, God, I need you, that opens up your spirit. And all of a sudden what you're doing is you're not just eating physical bread anymore, but you're eating of the bread of life and it's satisfying you. You're in a privileged position. And there's also some of you in this room that you have been walking with Jesus all of your life and you have done it right and you have cried out to the Lord and the Lord has provided for you and he's given you things and he's taken care of your life and everything is together and you are in incredible spiritual danger. You're not hungry for God anymore. You're not hungry for God anymore. You know why? Because you have too much money in your bank account to be hungry for God. You're not hungry for God anymore because everything is working for you. You're not hungry for God because you live in a big, amazing house. You're not hungry for God because you drive an amazing car. You're not hungry for God because everything is working. And to those kinds of people, do you know what Jesus says? "Woe to you." I'm just quoting the gospel to you. "Woe to you." You've already you're already rich, you've already received your comfort, you're already happy, you laugh and everything is good, and you don't have any room in your life left for God. And the message of Jesus to us when we're in a place of satisfaction is I don't know what it's going to take for you, but you got to find a way to get hungry for God again. Don't work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life. And so when God gives you all the things, when he heals your body and he heals your mind and he satisfies your relationships and he gives you the job and he fills up your bank account. Awesome, 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 awesome. But you got to find a way to surrender that up to the Lord and get yourself in a place where you're desperate in faith again for God. Don't work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the son of man will give you. Last thing that I wanna say, what is the bread of life? Well, Jesus says, John 6 and verse 48, I am the bread of life. So here is the thing that we forget, that even though God is the one who promises to fulfill our needs and to meet every needs and to satisfy the things that we need satisfied as human beings, we are not only material beings, but we are also spiritual beings, (laughs) And the fundamental cry of our hearts, the fundamental cry of our lives, is for God. And if we don't get God, then we wind up wandering about in our lives dissatisfied, trying to fill an ache that only God can fill. The Orthodox priest, Alexander Schmiemann, says this man is a hungry being, Schmiemann says. But he's hungry for God. And behind all the hunger of our life is God, and all desire. It's finally a desire for Him. And if we do not, in our experience, eat God and drink God, then we're going to wind up acting like famished, hungry, thirsty, crazy persons. Or what we're going to do is we're going to try to fill that hunger with all kinds of things which cannot satisfy. And you may be sitting here this morning, maybe you're in a skeptical kind of place. And you're sitting here this morning and you're thinking, well, that's kind of unfair, you know, that God would kind of like set up this whole scenario where it's like all we can do to survive existentially is like God in the universe. But that's like to fundamentally misunderstand the nature of our situation. And I remember having a conversation a few years back with a guy who was born and raised in the same church that I was born and raised in. And he had left the faith, thought that it was just a whole bunch of baloney and had become an atheist. And we were in a Facebook conversation one day and he said to me, he goes, Andrew, I just think that the whole thing is crap. I go, what part of it? He goes, well, the whole thing that God has like set up here, if Christianity is true. That like, here is this God, the creator of the heavens and the earth, and he creates us human beings. And then he sort of like just tells us like, hey, uh, if you don't love me, I'm going to cast you into hell forever. It's like, that just seems arbitrary and stupid and mean. And I was like, man, you have mistaken some metaphors for the reality of the situation, the reality of the situation is, not, is that, not that God is some arbitrary deity, where he's like, well, you know, if you don't just love me and show up to church and do all the right stuff, you know, I'm going to cast you in the lake of burning sulfur forever and ever. That's not our God. It's not our God. And I said to him, the reality of our situation is more like this. God is the fuel that human beings run on. He's the food for the human soul. And he's drink for the human spirit. And to complain that the situation is what it is, is like complaining that we can't eat rocks and be satisfied. We are made to eat certain kinds of food. It's like complaining that we can't drink gasoline and, be, and have our thirst quenched. God has given us God's self. <laughs> And he set up the human frame so that unless we get God's self, we are fundamentally dissatisfied. Jesus says, if you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more, his classic teaching on prayer, Jesus says, how much more will your father in heaven give what? So do you know that the greatest thing that God can ever give us is God's self? And the highest prayer that we can ever pray in our lives is God, give me yourself. And when we pray that prayer, we're not just praying to eat and drink of the presence of God one time, but we're praying to eat and drink of it all throughout the course of our lives to be satisfied and built up and strengthened by the presence of God, which is why Jesus says that I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Verse 51, whoever eats this bread will live forever. Eats, not ate. Some of you, you have eaten the bread of life once and it has been a really long time. And you're wandering around in your life now hungry and thirsty and famished and dissatisfied because you, it's like been so long since you've had a good meal. And this morning, the Lord invites us again to the table of his presence, which is spread with nothing less than the gift of himself. And He's offering Himself to you to eat and drink. Would you stand this morning? And as we prepare our hearts for the table, what we want to do is just acknowledge before God all of the ways in which we have tried to satisfy our lives with all that is less than God. And so, church, I want to invite you to pray this prayer with me this morning. Make this your cry of repentance before the Lord, say it with me. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thoughts and word and deed, by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole hearts. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry and we humbly repent. For the sake of your son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. So Jesus, we remember before you this morning that you have given yourself to us as the bread of life, as the drink that truly satisfies. And we thank you for all the provision that you have given to us in our lives. We thank you for all of the provision yet to come. Yet we pray that you give us hearts that don't work for food that spoils, but for food that endures. For every miraculous healing of our bodies, you give us, we're still gonna die. And every provision that you give us, that money is gonna be gone before we know it. And every relationship that you heal will ultimately be severed in the end by death. But if we stay connected to you, then we have stepped into the life that is truly life. So we pray this morning at the table, you'd give yourself to us again and knit us once more into the fabric of eternity grant it. We pray in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and all God's people said, amen. I'm going to invite our servers to come forward to serve communion this morning. As always, communion will be on my right and my left down here. Upstairs, we have at least one communion station. Uno. One communion station up there on the left of me. It'll be on the right of most of you. If you're upstairs, you'll just exit the aisle, take, receive communion. They're doing it right now. Just follow the kids. Look at them take the lead Unless you change and become like the little children there's something biblical happening here this morning brothers and sisters if you're on the bottom row uh, I am so like lost here am I doing okay so if you're on the floor area here you'll just come up the center aisle the servers will put a cracker in your hand dip it in the cup and take it as you head back to your seat brothers and sisters I say to you these are the gifts of God and they're given for the people of God come forward and receive communion comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Today we have eaten, we have drank of the presence. So we pray today that every need of our hearts would be satisfied by you, that we would know that Psalm 23 is true. The Lord is our shepherd and we lack nothing. So send us out of this place composed today settled in our skin, satisfied, and confident that God is for us and not against us. Church, lift your hands like us, receive this benediction, I say over you, may the Lord bless you and keep you, may he cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you, and may the Lord turn his face towards you and grant you his peace, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, grace, mercy and peace be with you. Invite our prayer team to come forward. If you need prayer for anything, we'd love to pray with you. They'll also be up in the balcony if you're up there. We'd love to pray with you upstairs. Go in peace to love and serve the Lord, and we'll see you real soon.